Right. A pinprick on the timeline of humanity. We had this web lot licked, didn't we? We built millions of pages, and we knew it all. But then everything went and changed. Now it's all up in the air, and people are panicking and arguing about what's right all over the place. It's all gone to hell. Well, or has it? Let's just stop, take a breather, and think about where we sit in the actual grand scheme of things. Now the internet, as most people know it, the World Wide Web, was thrown open to humanity on the 6th of August 1991 by Sir Tim Berners-Lee. That makes the web just 21 years old. Just 21. Buildings have taken longer to complete. Wars have been fought over more lengthy periods of time. There are TV soap operas with more history and backstory. If you were to plot these 21 years on the entire timeline of modern human existence, which is something like 200,000 years, it would barely be a pinprick on the diagram. Now from its initial purpose as a tool for sharing academic and scientific documents, the web rapidly became a truly global technology. This was in no small part due to the openness and relative accessibility that underpins its architecture. At first, however, the only way to access and write for the web was via the browser that Sir Tim had developed himself, and it all lived on a single server, his own personal Nextcube. However, by the end of 1992, there were servers springing up at academic locations all over the world, and development had started on the first proper web browser, Mosaic. By 93, there were 150 websites. Just six months later, that number had jumped to 623. In 1994, the technology saw a major step away from academia and into the mainstream. Netscape released their first commercial browser, called Mozilla, and also in that year, students David Philo and Jerry Yang started a guide to the web. They called it yet another hierarchical officious oracle, but you probably know it as Yahoo. The web's popularity exploded from that point. At the turn of 1995, there were 10,022 sites, and by January 96, the figure was actually up to 100,000. It was at the million mark by the time 97 had drawn to a close. Now the rest, as we know, is history. 21 years. So in that small 21-year time frame, the web has gone from sitting on Sir Tim Berners-Lee's desk in Switzerland to becoming a revolutionary tool that has changed the social and political landscape of entire nations. It has been an agent for change on a truly global scale and caused a fundamental shift in the balance of power in the realm of information distribution. You only have to look at the Arab Spring to see a very real effect that this power can have. The web has become a lifeline to millions and millions of people through its ability to provide an uncensored platform for people's thoughts. It is also a power that scares the life out of every government on the planet. It's become such a natural part of our lives that it's very, very easy to, f to take it for granted. Even for someone like me, who didn't experience the web until I was 17, finds it incredibly difficult to remember life without it. And that's all in just 21 years. Never before has a technology so fundamentally shifted the entire planet's thinking so quickly. And we've only just begun. Now, technology powering change is by no means a unique phenomenon. In around 1440, a similar thing happened. A man in Germany by the name of Johannes Gutenberg invented a machine that could recreate exact copies of set passages of text onto multiple sheets of paper, the printing press. 
a million hand copyists would eventually celebrate the newfound longevity of their eyesight as the print industry was born. Printing had a similar effect on the world that the web has had today. It shifted the balance of power that the written knowledge controls. People from a much wider variety of social and economic backgrounds could now benefit from the power that the printed word provides. Books were no longer the preserve of the super-rich or the church. It became known as the democratisation of knowledge, which the web has only accelerated even further and taken in new directions. The timelines for the two technologies of web and print, however, are vastly different in length. For instance, it took 50 years, nearly half a century, for the printing press to spread to just 270 cities in Europe. It took another century to pass until, in 1605, the first regular newspaper arrived. And then it was another century after that before the first daily paper became a reality. The Times didn't get their first automatic printing press until 1812, and even the medium of paper, the mass-manufactured pulp wood, that we know today didn't exist until 1870. The timeline of print is comparatively lengthy, around 600 years of relentless progression, development and knowledge gathering. Now obviously the world was a much different place back then. Distance and geography was a much bigger barrier to rapid progress than it is today. But even taking that into the equation, 600 years is a long time for an industry to thrash out the best way of doing things. Now, the early days of the web were controlled by the academics and geeks of this world. This gave the technology a really solid, expandable and open foundation. It is why the technology flourished. As it became popular, the initial aims of the system were expanded to new audiences. This led to new types of users discovering the power of the technology and pushing it into new directions. Forward-thinking members of the print industry were among the first people to take an interest. They saw a lot of similarities with what they were doing and how the web could be an exciting new age for their industry. With them came the 600 years of history, knowledge, folklore, experience, terminology, techniques, workflows, practices and Lord knows what else. The web obviously has common bonds with print. They both work with words and content. They both harness the powers of typography and images. They both are in the business of distributing information and knowledge. So it was an easy and logical step to incorporate all of that into the web's early thinking. To ignore all of that information would have just been daft. It's also important to remember that print is merely the most obvious influence. Retail, television, radio, banking, telecoms, architecture, art and many more industries, disciplines and crafts have all left their fingerprints on the timeline of the web. These influences have served the web extremely well. Their existing knowledge has helped the web continually move forward far beyond its initial purpose with stunning results. There are, however, limits. The first books that came off Gutenberg's and his contemporaries' presses tried to closely reproduce the old-style works that had been meticulously handcrafted by monks for centuries. They borrowed ideas and processes about how books should look and should be produced. It took many years before the ideas of modern printing could develop and stand alone. New technology needs something to borrow from, to allow it to gain foundation in society, something to make it more palatable and accessible. Acquired knowledge from similar existing technologies and practices allows early pioneers to solve problems 
and guide early development. You see it all the time with skeuomorphism. At some point, however, the new technology will break entirely new ground. New, never-before-seen problems will need to be solved. There will be cultural leaps and changes as expectations around the te new technology grow. The technology itself will become capable of much more, with new opportunities presenting themselves. That borrowed knowledge from the early industries is a finite source, and there comes a point where it can no longer provide all of the answers. We are at that stage with the web now. In fact, we've probably been here for quite a while, longer than we'd like to admit. It's only now that the inefficiencies of our borrowed knowledge have been so, so sharply exposed, chiefly by the increasing ubiquity and dizzying variety of stable, usable, always-on web-connected devices. For a good decade or so, building websites was relatively straightforward. Screen sizes evolved slowly and linearly. Browsers were an issue, but the bugs were largely known workable. We could be fairly sure people would be sitting at a desk, and we could be almost certain they were using a mouse and a keyboard to interact. In the last, new, last few years, all of that has changed. Screen sizes are going crazy, devices and browsers are multiplying daily, People are accessing the web on buses, walking down the street, in their cars, on the train, while watching TV. On their TV, it's become chaotic. So chaotic that the foundations of print and other industries that the web are built on are now struggling to cope with these new problems, which in turn causes more chaos, more questions, and even more design and technological conundrums. Barely a day goes past without a designer or a developer commenting on the lack of tools or workflows or good practices, proper web education, pro infrastructure or whatever else. Our tank of borrowed knowledge is starting to get very close to empty. We're at a point where there are no longer ready-made answers to the problems that we face every day. Now, it's easy to get caught up in the moment and think everything is going to hell. You know what? That is understandable. It's healthy to have a bit of a rant and a bit of a rave about things. And many, many people in the web industry have done so. It's a good thing. But let's try and keep things in perspective. None of this is new. Clever people have known it for a long, long time. And this is a, a passage I'll read to you. What I sense is a real tension between the web as we know it and the web as it would be. It's the tension between an existing medium, the printed page, and its child, the web. And it's time to really understand the relationship between the parent and the child, and to let the child go its own way into the world. That was John Alsop, the Tao of Web Design. I'm sure a lot of you have read it. That paragraph was written over 13 years ago. You've probably read the Tao of Web Design, but I bet you've forgotten just how relevant it is still today. The technological and code parts are a little bit old-fashioned. It mentions IE for Mac quite a lot. But the overriding message is just as useful today as it was back in 2000, if not more so. But that article is based on information that goes back even further than the, the very clever Mr. Alsop. He also uh, uses this quote in his, his Dow web, web design piece. Well-established hierarchies are not easily uprooted. Closely held beliefs, beliefs are not easily released. So ritual enthralls generation after generation. Now that is one of the ancient 
that's an ancient Chinese ritual by a guy called Tao Chi Jing. Um, and it's a, such a very sharp, observed comment on the human condition. It's, it's still frighteningly accurate. The humans don't like change. Now, these sort of collective feelings of not knowing all the answers that the industry is having right now are perfectly normal human reactions to change. Especially at just 21. It's a very young age in the grand scheme of humanity. A bit of bewilderment and confusion is to be expected as the industry starts to grow away from its relatives and strike out alone. It should also come with feelings of hope and excitement. It's okay to not know all of the answers. It's okay to make things up as we go along. This is all new territory now. We can make our own industry. It is something to be embraced, not feared. Now maybe we should try to enjoy this unique opportunity of carving out our place on the timeline. But how do we do that? Well the simple and probably boring answer is that it's down to us. The print industry took 600 years of evolution to master working with a finished, static, one-way communication piece of paper. We have to stop relying on the past. We have to embrace the true, flexible, intangible nature of our medium. As cheesy as it sounds, that means getting a little bit lost before we can actually find ourselves. It's very easy to get mired in the pragmatic now of everyday life. Sometimes there is a real need for us to be able to pause and project forward. There's a lot of things to be gained from a bit of daydreaming and wondering how things could be. We have to ask ourselves if we are trying to solve the right problems. Or are we falling back onto the crutches of old practices, trying to force old methods into areas they just don't fit? One of the most important things we have to remember is that we are still largely Generation Zero as far as the web is concerned. We remember a time before global connectivity. There is a whole generation just coming through now that knows nothing else. Web natives, or millennials as I've seen them called. Now, these web natives have minds capable of greater things. Minds that aren't so sullied with thoughts of the past. Minds, however, that need moulding the right way. We need to pass on our knowledge and experience in the right way. To acknowledge the past and our roots, but preach the future and press home the possibilities. The fact that nothing has ever been set in stone, or paper. Above all, we have to remember that the web is just 21 years old. And at 21, the web has already changed the world. At 21, we are barely getting started. 21, I think it's an exciting age to be.